You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green-Smith, episode 497. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP497. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Well, hello, pod people! Amy here. Happy fucking New Year, everyone. I am so thrilled to be popping by your feed with the much-anticipated New Year's Planning Guide. If you are not familiar with this, every year for, gosh, the past, I'd say, six or seven years, I have created a completely free planning guide to help you accomplish your goals in the new year. So what that means is if you go to the episode show notes page, which is amygreensmith.com slash ep. 497, or you just do a quick search in the toolbar on my site for just 497, this episode will pop up. And then you'll see a button where you can say, Give me my freebies. And I'm very happy to report that the planning guide that will be emailed to you when you click that little button has been completely updated. We've got great new graphics. It looks so beautiful. So if you're one of those people who care, I'm going to be walking you through all of the different elements to give you a real clear picture of how to work with this and get the absolute most out of it. So if you are listening to this and you don't have the planning guide in front of you, that's completely fine because I think you'll get a lot out of just the explanation and things to be aware of, but you will definitely want to download that planning guide and work through it at another point on your own. There is something really magical that happens that crystallizes what we're going after simply when we put pen to paper or fingers to keypads. (laughs) And I will say too, when you're starting to think about a myriad of things you would like to accomplish, and you don't create some kind of plan, or you don't even get them out of your head and onto paper, they can be unbelievably overwhelming. I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you've got a ton of things, a ton of to-dos floating around in your mind. I got to handle this. I got to go do that. But then when you stop and make a list and just get it out of your mind, you're like, oh, okay, I can handle this on this particular day. We can move that to next week. And it really does curb the overwhelm that's happening in your head. Now, when we're amplifying that and talking about an entire year's worth of goals and things you'd like to accomplish, 
my God, that can be overwhelming. So we definitely want to be breaking it down. And this planning guide is a really great way to have everything concise and in one spot and available for you to revisit throughout the year as you want to course correct and alter and maybe tweak and change things. Now, before I walk you through the planning guide, I want to talk about two major areas that folks tend to get derailed by when they set goals. Now, you this might be super familiar to you, where maybe you're having conversations with folks in your life and they're saying things like, you know what, this is the year I start my business. This is the year I focus on my health or something to that effect. And there are a couple of problems with that. Number one is that we're focusing on only one area of a pretty robust and full life. So if you are going to start your business, amazing. That's fantastic. But what about your friendships? What about the place where you reside, your personal environment? What about your connection with money and career? What do you do in the meantime prior to building that business? What do your romantic relationships look like? There are so many pieces to who we are that so often we can focus on just one particular category of our life and we go balls to the wall, let's say, building this business. And then you wake up one day realizing you've missed out on a big chapter of your kid's life or you haven't gone on a date in like six months with your partner or you haven't seen your best friend in months. So the idea behind the process that we are going to work through is that we cater to all of the various areas of your life that contribute to your fulfillment. The other problem with saying something like, this is the year that's all about my health, is that it's unbelievably vague. This can also happen when we set phrases or words for the year. Those are great umbrella concepts or intentions that we want to set for the year, but they don't help us get into action. And we're going to talk about what that really looks like. So one of the major pieces of goal setting that I think is incredibly imperative is specificity, getting really granular about exactly what your goals mean. So for example, if you say something like, you know, I really want to read more. Okay, great. What the fuck does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to commit to 30 minutes every single day? Does that mean I'm going to look for to complete one book each month? What are the specifics of that? Are we going to divide genres? Are we going to do a specific, for me, it's usually divided between two major genres, true crime and personal development. <laughs> so I have to be diligent about breaking up those two genres when I create goals around what I want to read throughout the next year. I have a goal of being fluent in Spanish, and it really freaks me out to feel like I need to have that done by a specific date. So understanding how I operate the best, I know that I will follow through on that goal of wanting to speak fluent Spanish if I break things down in a much smaller way where I say, okay, I'm going to get the Babbel app. 
and you know, which is a language learning application. And I am going to break down the various lessons there, and I'm going to commit to doing one lesson a week. Very quantifiable. It's very specific. As we go through the planning guide, you're going to see that I'm going to reiterate this topic many, many times. Because if your goals are not very clearly defined, it's incredibly difficult to assess if you've actually gotten somewhere. We do this in relationships too, where we say we need to work on our communication. Well, what the fuck does that mean? Does that mean we're hiring a therapist? Are we taking a class together? Are we working specifically around communicating only around finances or is it around every area of our life? So again, I think you get the picture, but be aware of that as we continue on. So you will see in the planning guide starting on page two that we're going to begin with a 2023 review. You will also see that in bold, it says, do not skip this part. It is so easy for us to want to create change in our life. And maybe we want to start running marathons or we want to start getting back into the dating scene. And so we're all pumped up about the new energy of the year, which is great and it's infectious and we want to capitalize on. However, it's incredibly important that we assess the things that really worked well for us in 2023 and the things that did not. And furthermore, when we get a great synopsis about what 2023 was for us, it gives us a lot of direction to either lean into the stuff that does work or course correct slightly to perfect it or avoid it altogether. So you will see on page two, there are a collection of questions here for you. The first is reflecting on all that transpired in 2023, what are you most proud of? Now, this does not have to be only one thing, and it also need not be wildly grandiose. So for all of my very high-achieving folks out there, in order to put something down that you're proud of, it doesn't have to be, I got, I finished my master's degree or I started my business. Now, if that happened, great. That's fantastic. But we want to look for any growth edge, anything that you did that was a stretch for yourself. It could be as simple as, I really started speaking up with my boss this year. I had a couple real heart-to-hearts where I was more transparent than I've ever been in a workplace conversation. And I'm so proud of that. If you struggle with rest and relaxation and calming down, maybe you're really proud of yourself for actually taking time to recharge during the weekends or for really utilizing all of the paid time off that you have available at your company. Whereas you might not have thought of that as something to really be proud of, but it's something that you're twisting and changing and altering for the better. So that question can be as voluminous as you want it to be. It can be very small baby steps that you took, and it could be major milestones. I would highly encourage you to think outside of the box. What have you been really proud of yourself for? And then the next question, what was your biggest lesson learned in 2023? And sometimes this takes a little bit of contemplation. So one thing that is a little tip for you that both Mr. Smith and I tend to do is when we are reflecting on what we're most proud of for that first one, we go back through 
our calendars and we look at all of the things that went on throughout the year. Because when we start to reflect, we tend to reflect just on the last like month or two, the things that happened then. And we forget about what we did last January and February. And there might have been some really cool things there. And even as I'm talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, we went to an incredible Halloween convention where we learned all a bunch of stuff about creating props and builds and all the stuff that we love to do. But I don't necessarily think that would have been on the forefront of my mind had I not gone back and looked at my calendar and my to-do list all throughout the year to see what did I accomplish? How did I spend my time? Oh, yeah, we did do two vacations specifically just for our marriage. That's amazing. I'm proud of that. Or you can reflect back and see like, oh, shit, those couple of months were really, really challenging. I learned a massive lesson about asking for help through that difficult time. So second question, what was your biggest lesson learned in 23? Third question, what word or theme would you use to describe the role that 2023 played in your life? And how did you see that pan out? How did it show up this past year? Again, I think having words or phrases, themes for various years can be really, really helpful at a meta view of what went down and a meta view of what you want 2024 to look like. And those serve as a jumping off point, sort of like a compass of, okay, this is the essence of what's important to me this year. And now I can start building out a structure of goal attainment in order to bring those to fruition. Continuing on to page three. Use the space below to list out all accomplishments from 2023 that you want to celebrate. Now, this is one of those that folks love to skip. And I need you to understand why this is so imperative, not just to future goal accomplishment, but also to your self-worth. So when you are not willing to acknowledge yourself for accomplishments, this also happens when we refuse to accept compliments or help or support. We are essentially saying that we are not enough. We are not worthy of that support. We are not worthy of that praise or that acknowledgement. We're not enough. I'd rather focus all my energy on the next dangling carrot, the next box to check in order to progress instead of relishing what we've accomplished thus far. Because life is not about a whole series of boxes to check. It's about really, truly living and making sure that those boxes cater to our fulfillment and our happiness. Also, if you know anything about the manifestation process, one of the key pieces of bringing things into your life and your world is to be able to receive. So that means receiving compliments, receiving acknowledgments from yourself. Because what can happen if you are saying, I want this new career, or I want to make this specific dollar amount next year, or I want to bring these friends into my life, but then you're not willing to receive. Around every corner, you're showing God or the universe or whoever that all good things that are coming your way commendations, accolades, we don't accept them, that we don't relish them. So then the universe is like, 
wait a minute, bitch. I thought you wanted this stuff, but now you're not going to receive? Make up your mind. What are we going to do? So acknowledging yourself is not only catering to goals, but it's catering to your self-worth and your ability to manifest amazing things in your life. Question in the middle. How have you grown over this past year? Who have you become? What examples do you see of your growth? And that could also be something that you are able to reflect back in your calendar or if you keep a journal or diary, something like that, where you can go, oh, wow, I remember that was a really difficult chapter or season. And coming out of that, I've learned so many things. I'll give you an example. So Mr. Smith was going through a bunch of stuff related to his business that was causing a significant amount of stress for him. And he didn't realize it, but he would start taking it out on me in really small little ways. We ended up working through some stuff there. And his big takeaway was, what I've learned is I need to make sure that I have other people in my life, like a therapist or best friends that I'm looking to for support. And not turning everything over to you <laughs> and putting all of the effort on me. So, so he started reconnecting with two of his close best friends. He signed up with a new therapist. He started putting different things into place in order to move beyond his past behavioral patterns. So looking back, he can go, wow, I have grown so much in my self-awareness recognizing when I tend to get irritable, when I tend to get snappy, and in, and getting ahead of it and taking care of myself in a way so that it doesn't have negative repercussions where it comes out on me. And we've also grown as a couple by being able to have conversations that are surrounding this topic. So how have you grown over the past year? Who have you become? And then what specific examples do you see of your growth? It could be as simple as, you know what? This was the first year that I actually invested in myself where I got a therapist or I took a program or I now speak with a life coach. Or maybe you realized that you needed to leave a workplace or a relationship or marriage. And you've become a completely different person now that you don't have that particular element in your life any longer. How would you now describe yourself and try to use adjectives or descriptors that feel really empowering to you? Like, I feel like I've grown a lot in my self-awareness or I've been able to establish boundaries far better or I've spoken up in situations where I maybe wouldn't have last year. And then finally, this is a new addition to <laughs> the planning guide. What word or theme adequately describes your intention for 2024? And what inspired that theme? And I'll tell you what mine is. Mine is ease. As I was going into this new year, what I did not want was a bunch of boxes to check that felt like have-tos or this is what a good business owner does. You have to continue on doing this particular type of marketing. I want to look for things that are easy and have resonance. So I've been able to step outside of 
the intensity of the new year planning bubble, and this might really hit home for you too, and thinking about all of the things that are going to be in my planning guide are going to be way more intentional, not just spinning my wheels, not just a bunch of building blocks, but are these the things that I really, really want? Do I want to spend my time and energy building a huge social media following? No, I don't. I want things to be easy and I want them to be resonant. So of course, like I mentioned, that doesn't get anything done, but it does give us a great compass or jumping off point to begin. So let's take a quick assessment of where you are in multiple areas of your life right now and where we want to be this time next year. So on page four, we're going to create a little assessment of eight major areas of your life. We're going to be talking about fun and recreation. So that's your play, that's your downtime, your rest, relaxation, oftentimes vacation time, white space, essentially. Significant other or, you know, like a romantic partnership or partnerships. This doesn't have to fall under any type of traditional union that we are conditioned to see as the only option, your significant other category could be swinger, being a swinger. (laughs) It could be that you are polyamorous. It could be that you're just dating and you don't want anything serious. But that is, that's what we're talking about with that particular category. I would say love, dating, intimate partnership, sex, significant other. Next category, career. We are also going to have a category of money one of spiritual growth or personal development. This can also be your connection to God, the universe, your religion, or any type of devotion you have in that area. For me, it's very much spirituality. It's personal growth. I'm very encouraged by this new wave of witchcraft. (laughs) So I've been talking about getting involved in that and learning more about pagan rituals, et cetera, et cetera. We're also going to have a category of friends and family. And some people like to kind of divide that because they feel like it is such a different category of who they are with their friends versus family. Another category is going to be health. And then the final category is physical environment. Now, physical environment is typically your home, but that can expand to your city, your state, your country, even. So it's about how comfortable am I? residing in this place. It can also be even more granular of, do I like my furniture in my room? Do I want to rebuild certain parts of my home? Do I need to get a four-bedroom instead of a two-bedroom because my family has expanded? It could be around decoration. It could be around cleanliness or wanting to repaint, things like that. Here's the exercise. You're going to start with the circle in the middle and using a scale of zero to 10, zero being incredibly unsatisfied in that category and 10 being extremely satisfied in that category, you're going to give yourself a little marker there. So assessing where you would rank your level of satisfaction currently right now as we're ending 2023. And there are a couple of things to mention here. So as I was explaining around the significant other, we're not going to be tallying the quantity in that area. So for a lot of people, for example, 
if they are single and they don't have a significant other, they might think they need to make that a zero. No, no, no. That is only if you are wildly unsatisfied being single. But we know, based off of a lot of recent data, that some of the most happy individuals in our culture right now are women who opt to be single and childless and are just getting rid of a lot of those conditional obligations that are rooted in patriarchy and misogyny in order to subjugate women. And again, many people, myself very much included, find fulfillment in a monogamous intimate partnership. But what I need you to hear is that there are so many other ways to be in relationship, and that's not the solution for absolutely everyone. So what you need to be really clear about here is each of these categories, we're ranking how satisfied we are. So let's say you're single, and maybe you date, or maybe you, you know, have folks you hook up with here and there. So you might be like, I love this. I'm putting this as an So it's about your level of satisfaction in any of these given areas. So we're going to start in the middle. Where are we at right now at the completion of 2023? And then we're going to look at what feels like a realistic moving of the needle for 2024. You're going to go through all eight of those segments and decide What do I want to say? What do I want to give myself a ranking of this time next year? So for example, if right now at the end of 2023, I go, okay, my physical environment, my domicile, where I reside, the people around me, my my neighbors, I love where I live. I love my home. I love the people around me. I would say I have probably about a seven or an eight. Where do I want to be this time next year? I'm probably only going to want to move that ranking maybe two levels, if that makes sense. Let's say, for example, under money, you ranked yourself, your level of satisfaction is a four. Like, I am not happy. I am really scraping by. I need this to jump up. It's not very likely that jumping to an eight or nine, that meant like five levels, that's going to be a shit ton of momentum and action that you need to put into this year in order to get your finances to a place where you're, you would say, gosh, yeah, I'm at like an eight or a nine of satisfaction with my money. So thinking about depending on each category, what type of jump makes the most sense to you. And as a rule of thumb, I would say moving that ranking one or two levels, one to three levels, perhaps, again, depending on that specific category. There will also likely be different categories that feel more important and imperative than the others. And that is fine. In fact, when we start getting into the goal setting part of it, It could be that in maybe two categories, we have pretty significant, massive goals, but the other areas, they might be more maintenance goals or smaller baby step goals. For example, when we moved at the end of 2017, going into 2018, there was a lot of goal setting for Mr. Smith happening 
in the career category because he was completely rebuilding his practice from ground up. For me, it wasn't as intense because my business was already running and I had different types of goals inside of that, but they weren't as as huge, right? But a bigger goal for both of us was around physical environment. We were now going to figure out where are we going to live and buying a property and where are the groomers for the dogs in this area and where who's our mechanic. Like there was a lot of stuff in our physical environment that we really had to nail down that was a bigger focus for us than, let's say, spiritual growth or personal development or even health. Our health goals were not nearly as massive as some of the other categories of our life because they needed more attention. So the point is we're going to create goals or focuses in every single area of our life, but some will be more intense. But again, like I mentioned at the top of our time together, it is important that when we have those big, massive goals, like moving across an entire country and reestablishing ourselves, that even though that is going to get a bulk of our time and energy, it doesn't mean that our relationship as you know a significant other category doesn't get any attention. No, it needs to get some kind of attention. Or it doesn't mean I ignore friends and family altogether. It means it gets a smaller allocation of time and energy, but it still caters to my fulfillment. And for that reason, it deserves some importance when crafting goals for the new year. And if you're familiar with the top five regrets of the dying, which is an incredible synopsis that was put together in book form and also started off as a viral blog by a woman, an Australian woman named Brony Ware. She put together these five major regrets of the dying that she had compiled after working in palliative care. And I did an entire episode about her particular work. But the essence of these five regrets of the dying were things like I wish I would have spent more time with friends and family. I wish I wouldn't have worked so hard. I wish I would have lived a life according to what I wanted and instead of what others demanded of me. So there's a bunch of things that at the end of our life, we kind of go, oh, these are the things that were most important. So I want you to be thinking about that when you're crafting goals and setting up what you want your life to look like. Is it something that on your deathbed, you'll be able to look back and say, fuck yes, I lived my life on my terms. I got those degrees because it mattered to me. I cultivated those friendships because they were fulfilling to my life. They were supportive of me. So think about the reasoning behind the things you want to accomplish. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we look at SMART goals on page five. You probably have seen either this example of SMART goals or other iterations. There are plenty of them out there. This was the one that was presented to me when I went through coaching school. And in particular, the R is very, very important. So let's walk through these. SMART is an acronym. So the S stands for specific, which we were talking about earlier. M stands for measurable, 
Is there a way we can tally this or keep tabs on this thing? A, is it achievable? And that's what we were talking about with the place we want to get to by the end of 2024. Does that feel doable? So the example I used about money, if you're at a four, it doesn't feel very achievable to make a jump to like an eight or a nine if that's not what your current set of circumstances is set up to provide. The R stands for resonant. And this is what I was talking about just a second ago. Does this matter to you? Or is this something that you feel like you just should accomplish? And that can come in a couple of different forms. Sometimes it is that we've put so much effort into something that we want to defend our labor around that issue. But when we really look at it, we don't really want to accomplish that any longer. For example, I have had a very specific book idea that I've been working on for years and years and years. And a proposal that I've talked to a couple of different folks about, some editors, publishers, and agents. And now as my work has evolved and I've amassed a shit ton of various certifications and the direction of the folks that I work with has changed, now that particular book, even though I have so many years of effort that I've put into it, it doesn't feel resonant anymore. So even though that means starting from scratch, I'm following what feels right in my heart. This could be that you've worked toward a very specific promotion in your organization for years and years and years. And now you're realizing that focusing on attaining director of operations or CFO or whatever it is, is not really what you actually want. It's just what you've been working towards for so many years. This happens in relationships where we've been like, well, we've been friends for this long, or I've been in this marriage for so long. And we feel like we have to defend the amount of labor we've put in, but the cost is sometimes our happiness. That is why this resonant piece is important. So paying attention particularly to, is this something that I'm afraid to course correct and shift and change or abandon? because of the volume of time and effort I've put into it, even though it doesn't serve me anymore? Or is this something that someone else wants me to accomplish? It is that my family wants me to take on running the family business, and I have no desire to do that, but that has been pushed down my throat since I was young. That's not a resonant goal. And then finally, the T stands for time-oriented. And that's very closely tied to the measurable element where we have specific markers throughout the year that identify when we want to accomplish these various goals or baby steps to the goal. So let's say you have some fun and recreation goals that maybe overlap a little bit with your friends and family goals. And that's what you're going to see here. And it doesn't matter what area you put them in. You don't have to have things that are exclusively career or this is only fun. Of course, your fun and recreation is likely going to align with another category like friends and family. Let's look at this example that we have here. So let's say 
You want to spend more time with your kids. You want to make sure that you're more present. And we need to quantify and qualify that in some way, which is why we want to run it through the smart filter. So let's say purchase Disneyland passes for the family and plan five trips this year. That is incredibly specific. It's the exact method of fun and recreation that you want, and it's a very specific amount of visits per year. Now, I came up with this when I lived in Southern California, so this may not apply to where you reside, but you can get get the picture. Now, what I hear more frequently from folks is saying things like, I just want to do more activities with the kids. But there's no way to know what that really looks like. There's no way to measure it. There's no way to really make it time-oriented. Measurable. You can very easily tell if you've accomplished this goal because it is so specific, right? In the not smart category, if you're saying, I just want to do more activities with the kids, there's no way to measure that. Under the achievable category, you want to ask yourself, is it possible to actually accomplish this? Your answer should be yes. If you, for example, would like to increase your income, and you are at 100K right now, and you'd really, really like to get to K. That is more achievable than if you were to say, I'm going to be a millionaire this year. Like what? That's like taking your assessments that you did on page four and jumping like five ratings. I hope that makes sense. So whatever the goal is, it needs to feel achievable and attainable, that it's actually possible to do within a 12-month time frame. Now, you could have an ultimate like five or 10-year goal of breaking seven figures, being a millionaire. But for this calendar year, doubling your income is a very achievable, normal, you can probably map it out, you can figure out different angles or different positions you could create, whatever. It's more achievable than a lofty, more grandiose goal. Doesn't mean we don't have that in our sights down the road, but we want to set ourselves up for success with what we can actually achieve without total burnout within one calendar year. In the not smart category there, underachievable, The goal is so nonspecific over there that if you just say do more activities with the kids, it's hard to tell. I don't know if that's realistic because I don't know if you're asking me to do that every single week. I don't know if this is once a month. I don't know how much money I need to spend on that. Like we just don't know when it's that vague. Resonant. I think we talked about this pretty much at length. The goal really resonates with me because it honors my value around family and human connection. A not smart goal, again, would not have resonance. It would be accomplishment for the sake of something other than your personal fulfillment. And then finally, time-oriented. By setting this goal, you have the time measurement factor included. You want to accomplish this within a year. So if we know we're going to get Disneyland passes for the family and plan five trips this year, we can take that to our calendar. Now we can take that to our bosses and to the schools and get time off. We can allocate time, energy, resources, whatever we need in order to make that happen because we know that it's within one calendar year. 
And in the not smart version, again, just do more activities, no time limit. Now we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of the goal setting. And you are going to likely want to refer back to page four because we're going to look at which categories do we really want to move that needle and what does that actually look like? So on page six, we're going to take all of these categories that we just talked about, these eight categories, and we're going to set up goals in each one of them. Now, I'll give you an example of a goal that I have under career. It would be finish new book proposal, right? So that's the big main goal. And then I have the ability to say, by when? When do I want the completed proposal with the new book idea? When do I want that done? Then I'm likely going to have a bunch of sub goals underneath that in order to make that happen. And you can design that all here if you want. You can create multiple pages if you'd like, whatever makes the most sense in your mind. But what I like to do is start with the the bigger goal if it's going to take a decent amount of time, like a book proposal, which is like writing a fucking book on its own. That's a pretty big goal. So having that done by the fall would be fantastic. But underneath all of that, I'm going to have sub goals. So it's going to be something like carve out time per week, a a chunk of time per week to work specifically on your proposal. And then I would break down all of the different parts of the proposal. So if you're familiar with this or, you know, if you're if you are, I'm sorry, if you're not awesome, (laughs) but there are all sorts of different sections to a proposal. So that part would need to be broken down. Okay, I'm going to do competitive analysis. That I want done by this date. I'm going to do the about the author section. That's pretty quick. I can have that done by this date. So you break down those goals into sub goals. Now, for something like physical environment, most of those I don't have huge, huge goals. So I'll have small ones like clean out under my vanity in my bathroom. But this year, this year is different because we are building a complete workshop in our third car garage so that we can do home renovations, so that we can build more Halloween props and have a really great resource right there in the home. So for physical environment, Our biggest goal this year is completion of the workshop. We want that done by Halloween 2024. So now we have to break everything down of what needs to be done in the workshop. We've made a ton of headway so far, but our next steps are renting a U-Haul and going and buying the lumber. We already have the blueprints and all of that, but now we have these baby steps of what we need to accomplish. We map it out because we do it on our date day as a, like a little bonding with our fun craft on Sundays. So we are able to look at our Sundays and go, okay, when are we going to go at wood? When are we going to work on the miter saw station? When are we going to work on the paint station? When are we going to work on all of the various components that are going into this workshop? And if we have that grand goal of the entire thing being done by October, we need to break down those sub goals. Now, in years past, 
that category was not very robust. It was more like purge closet. And it was real small incremental goals. They weren't necessarily leading up to this massive build of a, (laughs) you know, an add-on to the house or move locations altogether. But they all do deserve to have some kind of attention and focus. So if for you, you're noticing that this year I really, really do need to focus on health, maybe that has the bigger, robust goals. And friends and family, it's more about maintaining. So maintenance goals are an important thing to recognize as well. So let's say for friends and family, you've got great connections. You Maybe you have Sunday night dinner together as a family, or you get together with your girlfriends at least once a month. And that's kind of a well-oiled machine. You might want to write down, continue with Sunday night dinners. Continue with, for example, I go to, it's such a middle-aged thing to do. But all of the women in our community play bunko together once a month. So I might put on for my friends and family, continue going to bunko once a month. I consider that a maintenance goal. It doesn't necessarily have to be brand new, but it's a way I want to make sure I'm still catering to that category. You'll see on page six and seven, you have the opportunity to write in these goals. Now, if you opt to fill it in online, I I write way, way too fucking big. So I prefer to have small type in there and then it's easier for me to revisit throughout the year. But it's completely up to you. But you might need additional pages or you might have to print off more than one for for each. It's It's completely up to you. But you'll see that you have a category over here on the right hand side or a column rather on the right-hand side that says by when. That's where you want to get as clear as possible. Now, if you say May 2024, great. If you can say May 15th, 2024, that's even better. And also know that all of this is malleable. You can completely alter and change it. So for example, years ago in 28, when we first bought our home, prior to buying a home that year, One of our goals was to go to Ireland for our anniversary. Well, once we realized that buying a home was actually available to us and probable and we could do it, our goals for the year completely changed. So we moved Ireland off and added buy a home. So just know that whatever you put down here, as life happens, As things change, if there's layoffs at your company, you might be like, oh shit, now I have a goal to start start my own business. Now things have completely changed. So just know this is your call. You get to change this and tweak it as needed. And that includes your due dates or your by when column. And then you will see that you can do a little check mark or an asterisk in the very final column that just says, is this a SMART goal? So you can run back through that filter on page five and just go, okay, wait a minute. Is this specific enough? Is it measurable? Is it achievable? Is like realistically, could I do this within that time frame without losing my ever-loving mind? Is it resonant? Is this really truly about what I want? And is it time-oriented? And does that, that time make sense? Or am I trying to pack way too many things into a small period of time? One thing that I've had to really reckon with 
is the older I get, the less stamina I have for burnout, thank God, (laughs) but to overload myself. So I've had to whittle down considerably what I feel is realistic to accomplish within a year because my health, my sanity, my my mental well-being is paramount. That's way more important to me now than just accomplishment, accomplishment, accomplishment. Same is true for health. Years ago, it was all about my body size. And once I really started learning about the, you know, diet industrial complex and how much bullshit we're fed around what our bodies are supposed to look like, that has completely changed. So now my health goals are more like, well, I I definitely have maintenance goals around a routine gynecological visit, a routine visit with my dentist twice a year. Those go down under my health goals. Moving my body four times a week goes, but gone are the days of being, I need to be a specific size or blah, blah, blah. And I would really encourage you to think about that too. What is it that you want to do with your body? Doctors Lexi and Lindsay Kite, who I actually had Dr. Lexi on, on the show, and I will link to that as well. But they wrote a book called More Than a Body. And they have this incredible concept around the body being an instrument, not an ornament. And it's not to say that you don't get to enjoy, you know, makeup or a nice outfit or whatever, but that we are looking to our body for what it does for us, that it moves our spirit around this this planet, not necessarily how good does it look and how do people perceive it and finding all of my value in my beauty or in my thinness, for example, which is why I included that quote at the bottom of page six, which is, I truly hope you realize how important setting goals are for women, teaching them we have so much more to offer than our bodies. And I think that's relevant. I know we're a bit off a, off a topic, but I think it's so relevant because at the beginning of new year, we all go, this is the year I'm going to get back into those genes or I'm going to be a specific size. And we really have to start asking ourselves, why the fuck does that matter so much? I remember listening to Susan Hyatt. Some of you may be familiar with her work talking about how much mental real estate women use thinking about, obsessing over food and their bodies and what they look like, when if that bandwidth was freed up, think how many businesses we could start, how much money we could make, how much impact we could create in the world. Just imagine. And I really started changing a lot of that stuff ages ago, and I certainly don't need to push that on you. (laughs) But I do think it's an important thing to check in with yourself around If I'm establishing these health goals, what are they really for? And are they genuinely, truly for me and my personal fulfillment? After you have put together your yearly goals on page six and seven, now we want to figure out what actually gets you into action around those items. How do we get those onto the calendar or the to-do list? That's going to be very dependent on how you operate best. Do you do better focusing on one category for one month 
Do you do better doing baby steps every single week? Something that works well for me is to take what I've come up with here and then I will plug it into my calendar. So I use Google calendars and there's a really great way to put your task list for that day above the calendar. So I see what's going on on my day in the calendar, and then I've got my action items, things that need to be accomplished above it. So I will take things that I've outlined here on my planning guide, and then I move them over to the appropriate place. And then what I also do quarterly is I revisit my actual planning guide. So one of the things that's in my to-do list that will pop up three months from now It will say, revisit planning guide, reassess 2024 goals, and then I have that this document easily on my iPad and on my computer that I just pull up and I kind of look, okay, does that still feel important? Does the book still feel like a 2024 importance? Does the workshop that we're building, does that still feel like an importance or do I need to make that a 2025 thing? But that way, quarterly, I'm able to check in and see if I need to alter or re-engineer anything. This piece is very dependent on how you organize yourself. And you've probably heard me say this many times ad nauseum, (laughs) that the things we tend to pay attention to or that never fall through the cracks are the things on our calendar or on our to-do list. So if this stuff is of grave importance to you, it has to be located with the other items that you never allow falling through the cracks. So think about what that looks like for you. Is it a morning routine where you need to look at this each day and decide what the best focus is for you? Is it taking all of the due dates, the by when column, and plugging those in to your calendar? or setting alarms or reminders on your phone. That part has to be coming from you and what suits you best, what how you operate the best. Some people like to do things all in one weekend, like, ooh, all of my home stuff, that can be done in one weekend in April, and I'm just going to book that. Other things like personal growth and development, maybe you, for for me, I know I want to learn Spanish. So I've got my Babbel app and I'm going to break down how many lessons of the Babbel app I'm going to do weekly. So instead of it being like, I want to be fluent by this date, I'm scratching that and I'm saying, no, I just want to commit to studying this many lessons per week. And then that looks like Wednesday mornings or Saturday afternoon. We have to get really specific of where that's going to go in your calendar. So I hope that is helpful. You might want to revisit this podcast a handful of times just to make sure that you're right on track. But I'm truly hoping this is helpful for you. And what I want you to remember, no matter what, Whether you accomplish this shit or you don't, or you do the planning guide and you never revisit it again, none of that has anything to do with your value and your worth as a human. All of our goals need to be about personal fulfillment. That's why that resonant piece is so, so mandatory. It's not 
if I accomplish these things, then I am enough or then I am worthy. No, no, no. It is my worth is non-negotiable. That's already set in motherfucking stone. And then everything else is just a bonus. If I get to have a PhD, phenomenal. If I get to expand my company, fantastic. If I get to make seven figures, brilliant. All of that stuff is catering to my fulfillment. It's additional. It's not that my worth is at all contingent on those accomplishments. So please, please, please be aware of that. I'm also going to link to another interview I did with Tara McMullen, where she talks about sort of this flip side of obsession with achievement, obsession with goals, and how that can derail you. But she definitely says, I'm not taking your goals away from you. You still get to have them. But it could be an additional conversation to listen to just to make sure that what you're setting up is genuinely in service of you and not leading you toward extreme burnout or fatigue. So be sure if you are listening to this all just audibly, be sure to go to amygreensmith.com slash EP497 so you can get your free planning guide and get into action and make sure that once you are completed with it, you have a way to revisit it. You have a way to get it plugged into your calendar, your to-do list. I will see you around these parts next week. Happy fucking new year. And remember, you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth. Peace. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding. But I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you. Bye.